0: This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio.
1: Tuesday edition of the PFT PM Podcast, May 22. One thing that we've been saying all week is OTAs have begun. It's just a matter of time before we're reporting on injuries that happen. They're inevitable. Even though these are non-contact practices, they move at a certain speed that can result in guys getting injured. And sometimes there is contact, even though... It's not supposed to happen. It happens inadvertently, or it's not serious enough that it creates issues. And sometimes we find out after the fact that teams were engaged in excessive contact and they get in trouble. Nevertheless, the first name for this year, Paul Warlow, Eagles linebacker, carted off during practice, air cast on left knee, torn ACL. With Michael Kendricks also released by the Eagles today, they're down to... Six or seven linebackers, Jordan Hicks, Nadra Bradham, Joe Walker, Corey Nelson, Camus, Grugier-Hill, Nathan Gary, and Leroy Reynolds. So they may be making a move there. I don't know what they expected from Warlow. He had been with the Lions in the past, but Warlow out for the year, and that's what happens during these offseason workouts. And If you're a fan of a team, if you are a fantasy owner in a dynasty league, you kind of hold your breath a little bit because things can happen. Things do happen during the offseason program. A lot of the news has been about the guys who aren't working out, but the guys who do definitely put themselves at some sort of risk and it happens all the time. And that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind as we get into training camp, preseason, regular season, we make our predictions and prognostications and fill the vacuum with analysis of really nothing but it's what we do it's part of the anticipation of the season you talk about your Christmas presents before you actually get them and then you get them and you break something and oh well that was fun while it lasted one of these Christmas presents is going to get broken at some point we just don't know who we know it's going to happen remember last year it felt like injuries dramatically altered the landscape of the season and every year when the injuries happen we say wow there's a lot of injuries this year No. Yeah. It's just any other year. It's football. It's a brutal sport. Guys get injured. That's how it works. Christian Hackenberg made some comments today about his career. He's never played in a regular season game. He told reporters, all I know is I'm 23 and I have a lot of ball ahead of me. Hell, my career hasn't even started yet. Well, it's ended with the Jets. He's been traded to the Raiders, apparently. I just saw that one as we were getting ready to start the... Tuesday edition of the PFTPM podcast. Conditional seventh round pick. Oh, that's the Ross Tucker trade. Conditional seventh round pick. That's nothing. Giving the guy up for, for a conditional seventh rounder just cut him at that point. Presumably he has to make the regular season roster. That would be my guess as to what it takes for for Christian Hackenberg to trigger the the conditional 7th round pick to make the conditional an actual. I just saw that Brian Dawkins is leaving the Eagles organization. They've had a very eventful day. Dawkins was regarded as kind of a fast track front office guy. He'll make it into the Hall of Fame in August leaving the organization. Full story is coming at philly.com on Brian Dawkins exiting the Eagles. The biggest news, though, I've just been beating around the bush, and I'm trying to measure my words carefully. I've been very concerned about this new helmet rule from the moment that it was slipped through everyone's five hole in late March. And and let me remind you, because I don't think people are as concerned about this As they should be. People who care about the National Football League, people who have a vested interest in the future of football. I don't think they're nearly as concerned as they should be. What's the line? Boy, I'm going to be a real geek here. Lord of the Rings? Are you frightened? Yes. Not nearly enough. That was the Aragorn line to Frodo in the first of the three movies. All right. Let's go back to late March. Boy, that was a nerdy, geeky reference by me, but it's the first thing I thought of. And if you care about football, you should be frightened, and maybe you're not frightened nearly enough, because football is going to change. And I feel like they've pulled a fast one on us with this. It began in late March. I'm eventually getting to the point. We go to the league meetings in Orlando. Several days before the league meetings, we get the list of proposals, 10 of them from the competition committee. Lo and behold, there was an 11th one they didn't bother to tell us about. Proposal number 11. It prohibits lowering the helmet to make contact with an opponent. As written, very broad. It passed quickly, with the league pointing out the coaches were behind this, the owners are behind this. I'd love to know what they said during the meeting to scare the shit out of everybody into agreeing to this, my only guess, and this is just a guess, and this is based on something I heard the night before this came out. I was talking to someone at the reception that they have at the league meetings, and this wasn't off the record. I'm not going to say who it was, but I don't think it's anything I can't share. I detected a very high degree of concern from the person I was speaking to about participation in youth football. So when you put those very two, or those two very thin threads together, you come to the conclusion that the NFL is concerned about boosting participation in youth football. And one way to do it is to make youth football as safe as possible. And one way to do that is to make NFL football as safe as possible and have the changes trickle down. Now, MDS made the great point in the aftermath of that. People take their kids to karate classes and they don't expect them to get kicked in the face. When they turn on an MMA fight, they expect to see two people kicking each other in the face. For whatever reason, football believes that everything it does is going to influence what happens at the lower levels of the sport. And I don't know, maybe a cultural shift is needed there. We talk about cultural shifts all the time in football. Maybe there needs to be a cultural shift where tackle football played by kids is fundamentally different from tackle football played by adults. For whatever reason, the kids want to emulate what they see on TV, which I guess makes sense at one level, but you can have different techniques. You can have different rules. You can have different procedures at the lower levels. The problem is a lot of the coaches, I don't know how skilled they are in the nuances of promoting safety, because for them, it's their opportunity to act out on whatever frustrations they have about their own failed athletic careers, and they push these kids to do things that maybe the coaches don't realize, or putting them at risk, or teaching them risky techniques, whatever the case may be. Anyway, my concern was, once they slipped this change through, that it was going to be every bit as broad, and every bit as dramatic, as the language of the rule would suggest. Here's the rule. You can't lower your helmet to initiate contact. Okay. Well, sounds like you can't lower your helmet to initiate contact. Sounds like it dramatically changes the game. And remember my big concern? How is this going to change between the tackles running? And one of the members of the PFTPM posse, back before we even coined the phrase, I think, asked the great question. Don't you want to know before the draft? Whether or not this is going to apply to offensive line play, defensive line play, running backs, linebackers, don't you want to know? Because if it does, boy, it changes the running game. It changes between the tackles running dramatically. They're basically foosball players at that point where they're straight upright and you're banging into each other. It's going to change the way football looks. It's going to change the way football is played. And it's going to open the door for someone out there with a couple billion dollars to invest in an alternative league that plays football the way it used to be played. And I've been banging the drum and sounding the alarm. And I asked coaches about it. Oh, no, no, no. It's not going to be. Oh, no. Yes, it is. Based upon what Al Riveron, the NFL head of officiating, said today. He confirmed to reporters that linemen who come out of their stances with their heads down and initiate contact with the top of the helmet will be penalized. What if an offensive lineman coming out of his stance initiates contact with his head? Can't do it. He's got to get his head up. Why even be in the three-point stance then? Why? There's no reason to even have a three-point stance. You've got to go straight from a three-point stance to a two-point position. Let me tell you, folks, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. It's going to change football to the point where it runs football off. They're so scared about the national anthem, which I think has been hijacked by political interests. I think it's overhyped in an effort to get players to conform to someone's view of what is politically acceptable. I think people who claim they're not watching football because players are protesting are full of shit for the most part. I really do. Because the metrics are up. Arthur Blank said it himself when he announced the Matt Ryan extension. League revenues are up. Club revenues are up, okay? Now, I don't think they like the huffing and puffing, but nobody's blowing anyone's house down over the national anthem. They will blow their house down over this. This is a significant and dramatic change to the game. And it's just a matter of time before the three-point stance goes away because the three-point stance is now useless. You're not firing out. How How are you going to fire out of your stance and do anything effective if you can't make contact with your helmet. If you have to worry about where your helmet's going to hit. If I'm the defensive lineman, I guess I just stand straight up. You can't touch me. If I stand straight up, then you've got to stand straight up. And then we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll I don't know what we'll do. We'll become sumo wrestling at that point. So, Look. There's a real, I, oh, you're too, oh, you're being an alarmist. Eh, I think I'm being a realist. And at a time when NFL owners are very happy about the looming proliferation of gambling, they need to be concerned that people are going to be gambling on another version of the sport, a new USFL, the XFL, which decides, ah, why, why compete with the Alliance of American Football? Let's go to the fall and let's, Let's go toe-to-toe with the NFL by giving people a product that the NFL used to give them. Don't you see how easy it would be to market? I kind of wish I had $2 billion. Now, look, for me, one thing I wrestle with is the ethics of embracing a brand of football that is overtly violent, that is played like it was back in the eighties and the nineties back when, I don't know, did they know, what did they know about the risk? Who cares? Everybody knows the risks now. It's very easy to justify it. And all you have to do is turn on a UFC fight and you see six concussions in a five second span as somebody is going down to the, to the mat at the end of a match before the referee dives in. I mean, they literally dive in. That's how hard it is to get the thing stopped before several concussions have been inflicted on the person who, who ends up losing the match. 80s football is no more brutal than that. All you got to do a single entity league with a clear waiver, clear acknowledgement of all risks, and off you go. I'll cover it. If anybody wants to start it, I'll cover it. It's profootballtalk.com. It's not nfltalk.com. If a better brand of football comes along, see you later, NFL. Sorry. But if you're not going to give me the sport that I grew up watching, that I fell in love with... I'll have my eyes open for something else out there that looks more like the football that I'm used to. I think that's a fair reaction to this, and I think a lot of people are going to feel this way. And this is all happening like we're asleep. I mean, the the clear warning came... When they snuck it through in the first place, and then, oh, no, no, this doesn't, know oh, this isn't changing. Oh, no, it's not going to, oh, no, it's only going to be three or four plays a, a year, three or four, whatever it was. They downplayed how often the ejection is going to happen. Well, here's the thing. The ejection's only going to happen when it's egregious, when somebody runs at a guy who hasn't been tackled and plows into him in a linear posture. The flag's going to get thrown. Anytime somebody uses his helmet to initiate contact and with offensive line play, it's not even, it's already, you've already lowered your helmet. You've got to get your head up. So this isn't even right. This is broader than what the rule initially was. The rule initially is you can't lower your helmet and initiate contact. Now, if your helmet's already lowered, as you're coming out of your stance, you can't initiate contact with the helmet. This is a mess potentially. There's a reason why there was no transparency as this rule got passed, because they know people like me would have stood up and said, what the hell are you people doing to our sport? I mean, we are stakeholders in the National Football League. We want the game to be exciting. We want the game to be compelling. We want the game to look like it's looked, for the most part, over the last 40 years. And the changes have been evolutionary, but it's revolutionary when you look back 30 years. Think of how different it's going to be now. It's going to be seven on seven in pads. Oh, there'll be some... Some rugby-style tackles, and that's good. Look, I, I understand the importance to make the game safe, but let's not let's not keep guys from doing what they want to do, all in the name of changing the fundamental nature of the sport at every level. I mean, are, are these rules really going to trickle down? How long is it going to take? And and is this is this change that is dramatic? But yeah, I mean, look at it this way. They've spent so much time hiding the impact of this change from the fan and from the media. Mom and Dad, you think they've realized? Oh well, we can let little Jimmy play football now because the NFL has made this this rule change that uh, they didn't tell anybody about, and they still haven't been openly candid and transparent about how it's going to affect the game. Oh, and now we can let Jimmy play football because instantly youth football becomes safer. I, I don't get. I don't get it. And I've had a bad feeling about this from the start that this is something that is going to change the game in a way that drives people away from it. That makes people say, this isn't the football that I'm used to watching. Now, is this going to be the same rule in college football now? I mean, they hope it trickles down. Could it be that college football says, no, we're not we're not crazy. These kids know what they're doing. They understand there's a risk. They understand it. It's part of what they're paid for. Uh Oh, oh, oh I, it's part of what they get a free education for. And by free, of course, I don't mean retail. I mean wholesale because how much more does it cost to let one more kid not go to class? Yeah, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. And I'm scheduled to talk to Troy Vincent tomorrow. It will be part of the PFTPM podcast and we will break it all down with him. And I'm going to ask him candid questions. I'm going to ask him direct questions. I want to know what this rule does and doesn't apply. And I want to know why it was all a secret and why it's taken so long to get to the Tootsie Roll Center or the Tootsie Pop. Two months. And now we're just finally finding out what I had feared from the get-go, that this is also going to apply to linemen in the trenches. I asked Sean Payton, is this going to change the running game between the Tigers? No, no, no. Right, Bill O'Brien, how dramatic have you changed? Oh, not really dramatic. All that. Are these guys pissed now because they've been told something that isn't true? We'll get some more answers tomorrow. And that's, look, regardless of what actually is going on here, the biggest problem is, and maybe this is because they currently don't have a head of PR. Ever since Joe Lockhart left, they haven't hired a replacement. The messages that are coming out are all over the place. On one hand, it's going to be a dramatic change. Then they say it's not. Then they say it will. Then it'll be this. Then it'll be that. They got to get their act together on this. And they got to inspire some confidence in those of us who cover. See, a lot of people who cover the sport don't give a shit about the sport. They've just been assigned to the beat. I mean, let's call it what it is. A lot of the people who end up covering football for a living don't love football. They became journalists, and they didn't get the assignment they wanted. Or they're doing this until they do get the assignment that they want. They don't care about it. They don't have a vested interest and in If football goes away, they'll cover something else as journalists. Now, those of us who entered in the non-traditional way, we ended up attracted to it because we love it, because we want to be part of it. And I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm part of it. But I'm going to protect it, too. And if, if football becomes something other than football, then, then what are we doing? May as well just cover hockey or Canadian football or any kind of football that looks like football, not this seven on seven crap that they're going to give us. If you can't block, if you can't shed blocks, if you can't tackle, if you can't get past tacklers, what is this going to look like? It could just be that there is a huge disconnect between what the rule says and what actually happens. But even if that's the case, the officials are going to have the discretion anytime they want to say, oh, that's a flag, because it's going to be like holding. You can call on every play. You're going to be able to call somebody either lowering their helmet to initiate contact or failing to get their head up on every single play. I got to get Dean Blandino or Mike Pereira on the PFTPM podcast too. I'll try to get them later this week or early next week. Because I really do think, and we can call it our game. This is one of those instances where, you know, I give stats a hard time anytime he says we when he's talking about the 49ers. But we can call football our game. Because without us, without fans, without media who give a shit about the game, there is no game. People don't care. It's one of the things I always say about Bill Belichick. If he doesn't like dealing with the media, go coach high school lacrosse. You'll be paid accordingly because nobody gives a shit, or at least they don't at the same level. All these people are making millions, and in the case of owners, billions, because we love the sport. Are we going to love the new version of it? Does anybody even realize what's going on here? So, hey, look, I apologize in advance if anyone at NBC gets a phone call from the league office because I'm being that candid, but somebody's got to stand up and protect the sport. and If nobody at 345 Park Avenue is going to do it, then I will, because people will abandon it. If it, and you take away the two, see what they're doing is they're taking away the two point of the three point stance without taking away the three point stance. They know if they said no more three point stance, people would say no more football for me. So they're going to line up in the three point stance. We're going to have to get out of the three point stance because you have to get your head up. It's going to be the old Dallas Cowboys pre-snap shift. Remember they do that. That was back in the seventies when, when the Cowboys were becoming America's team and they did the shotgun and, and all these different things. And, and they'd come out and they'd be in the three point stance. And then they'd stand straight up and go back down. The only difference is you don't go back down on the snap. You stand straight up. It's going to be more passing. It's going to be less running. The Giants are, should be very glad they took Saquon Barkley because he's going to be a receiver. And he's going to be running the ball in space. It's going to be a lot of pitch outs. It changes everything. If if what Al Riveron said is what's ultimately applied, it's a crazy time in professional football. All right, I've ranted about that enough. Let's see what questions you have. But but trust me, it'll be it'll continue to be a topic until we know exactly what in the hell this new rule is and what it isn't. And I don't like what I'm hearing about what it is. I thought one thing that would come out of this week would be absolutely positively this rule does not apply in the tackle box. So hopefully we'll get some clarity on tomorrow's PFTPM podcast when we have a chance to speak directly with the executive VP of football operations, the boss of Al Riveron, Troy Vincent. PFTPM policy, why does the NFL seem to downplay or ignore the problem they have with opioid painkillers? At least it seems they have a problem. Favre's admission just strengthens that feeling. Yeah, Brett Favre told Peter King in his last Monday Morning Quarterback column that that uh, Favre ended up in rehab three different times as he was trying to beat that that painkiller addiction. Look, this is all. This isn't about giving players comfort. This is about getting players on the field. Remember, Torridal. HBO exposed how how bad Torridal was. The all puts your whole body numb. And some of these injuries we see, it's because when you're completely numb, you know, it's like that feeling when you're walking down the steps and you think there's one more step, but there isn't. You know that feeling? That's what happens to guys. Chris Sims thinks that, that that contributed to the Zach Miller leg injury. That your body isn't as in tune with its surroundings because it's numb by whatever it is you're taking to kill the pain. It's not, it's not about providing comfort. It's not humanitarian. We want your ass out on the field. So if there's something that hurts and there's a pill you can take so it doesn't hurt, take that pill. Because we want you to play. PFTP and policy. Any educated guesses on what the potential bad news dump might be at the end of the week? Any investigations that may have been concluded like Jameis Winston? I don't know what's going on with this Jameis Winston investigation. I really don't. And remember, this is all driven by PR. I mean, at some point, the NFL has got to make a decision. At some point, the NFL has got to announce it. Look how long it took them to investigate the Matt Patricia situation. A week and a half, if that much. This Winston thing has been lingering since November. PFTP and Posse seems like Al Riveron confirmed that OL and DL will be subject to the new lowering of the helmet rule. Seems like we're about to see a completely different game at the NFL level. Or am I reading this wrong? Troy Vincent can't get here soon enough. Amen. Amen, PFTPM posse. Another one from the PFTPM posse account. Will Bill Belichick be allowed to never talk during press conferences and answer questions the way he does once gambling becomes widespread? Yes, I mean guys aren't going to be compelled to be any more candid, but I think there will be other requirements placed upon teams to be transparent. I think the injury report needs to be overhauled and. As we discussed last week, when you have a Malcolm Butler type of a situation where a guy who is a starter all of a sudden doesn't play, are you going to have to publish a firm depth chart with all your starters for the game, 24 hours, 36 hours before kickoff? Another one from PFTPM Posse via Sean Alvashire. Something about a novel, little torch key about a con man hustling in the keys so what's, I'll have to check that out. LittleTorchKey.com. Sean, we, ha, we have like somebody in our group who has actual talent. All right, I'll have to check that out, Sean Alveshire. Another one from the PFTPM Posse, and it comes from Posse member. Travel in Taylor. When game broadcasts go live for gambling purposes, what will they do about cursing, streakers, etc. without the delay? Well, I, look, we still hear plenty of cursing without the delay. Or with the delay. And with, if it's a streaker, you just, you know, you cut to a different camera. But yeah, there, there will be some things that get through when you don't have the ability to uh, hit a button and and knock something out. But there, there's plenty of cursing that already comes through. Jason Schender, any updates on the NFL Network sexual harassment case? We were talking about that earlier today during a break in PFT Live. Ike Taylor is out at NFL Network. The other two guys, Heath Evans and Marshall Falk, there's been no update. I don't know what they're doing. It's an awkward situation. When you have employees who are accused of specific misdeeds as part of a sexual harassment lawsuit, if you don't fire them, it's easier to get them to cooperate with the defense. If you cut them loose, they no longer have any reason whatsoever to help. And it could be that when they did an investigation, they realized, look, Ike's Ike's situation is graphic enough and it's confirmed and here he is on video doing whatever he was allegedly doing. He's out. The other guys, it may be that they're deciding to say they didn't do what they did, because if you keep them around, they're more inclined to help you. They're more inclined to cooperate because there's that chance of ongoing employment. And then after you settle the case, you fire them. That's often how it goes. At The Laughing Man 5, when you say you use the term ripe in a legal sense, do you mean that whatever rift that exists between TB12 and Bill Belichick has a chance to be rectified where it isn't a question anymore? Do you mean in a sense where it's not big enough story yet to break? When I say ripe, when I say something's ripe, and, and Stats and I had this discussion today, and he was being obtuse, and he does this on purpose at times. He, I, I don't know why. It's one of his weird little quirks that I tolerate, and I've tolerated for the last three and a half years. But the word ripeness really is a, a term of art, even though it's not a big convoluted Latin phrase. And in order to have a dispute that is presented to court, the dispute has to be ripe. There has to be something. that you can, It can't be theoretical. It can't be hypothetical. It can't be something that may arise in the future. It has to be something right now. Now, as it relates to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, it's ripe. It's ripe for a resolution. It's ripe for open conflict because the battle lines are drawn. When he doesn't show up, when Brady doesn't show up for off-season workouts, for OTAs, that, that is an act of war as far as Bill Belichick is concerned. And, and as I predicted today during PFT Live, and, and it didn't take an advanced degree in psychology to figure this one out, when Bill Belichick was asked about Tom Brady, what did he say? I'm only talking about the guys who are here. Eric T. Sains, is stats really as annoying in real life as he comes across on air? yes or is the contrarian persona exaggerated for our entertainment? No. He is exactly that way. We were at dinner at the Scouting Combine and we we had somebody who was who'd stopped by who works for the Raiders, not John Gruden. And and within 5 minutes the person had stats pegged. You're the one that's always against everything just to be against everything. Yep. That's how he is. Now, look, I think it's a useful foil for me, at times, but yeah, he's exactly that way. Stats has a reputation for picking the dumbest little argument and clinging to it and digging in. It's like, why, why, why are you going to get into a full-blown argument over that? Who cares? Yield on that. Fight on something that actually matters. Matthew Farley, what advice would you give to expecting parents? Oh boy, it's been a long time since I was in that category. 22 years ago. We found out January of 1996, just a couple of days after I went to the Steelers Colts AFC championship game. It was like that Wednesday. And I mean, get ready, right? Your life changes in a fundamental way. It's a good thing. But once you add that extra human being to the household, especially when that extra human being needs constant care and feeding and diaper changing and monitoring, man, it changes everything. And I, I look, and here's the thing, no matter how old they get, no matter how big they get, no matter how adult they get, you're, you're going to continue to worry about them and be concerned about them and dote on them. And and it drives them crazy. And when I was 21, like my son is now, it drove me crazy when my mom was constantly worrying about me and I was disrespectful and I shouldn't have been. And I feel bad about it now. And we worry about him and, and ask him questions and, and it drives him crazy. And he's disrespectful about it at times. And he's going to feel bad about it at one day too. It's just the cycle. I think that's very common, but your life changes permanently. And, and I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the alternative but man, as your kid gets older, like when you when you no longer have to deal with with bottles, like that's like a, it's a little it's like a plank off of your your back, right? You still got plenty of other planks you're carrying, but but you feel that. And in the diapers, that that stinky, oh my god, that thing you throw the diapers in, you get a whiff of that every once in a while. It's worse than walking down the street in New York City. In the in the summertime, and anyone who has walked down the street in New York City in the summertime knows what I mean. But uh you know, it's just, enjoy it. And, and I remember telling myself 22 years ago, God, I'm trying to do this without getting emotional. You know, you, you want to be around for everything. And once I, now, now I didn't make the transition to this full time until my son was 12 or 13, but, but I was home as much as I could be. And when, when I was practicing law on my own, I was always very careful to take on cases that I knew was not going to require me to to, to stay overnight somewhere, to to be out of town. I wanted to be home all the time. I think there's value in being around. And, and you know, I've, I've tried just to be here and, and create an example of how you live your life and how you, you know, you work hard. And, and, but you know how to have a good time. But you have a good time within reason. You do everything within moderation. And it's just, you know, they, they pay attention to everything you do. I guess that's the other piece of advice. And then we'll move on. They watch and they listen to everything that you do. So keep that in mind. It's like having a hidden camera in the house. Although the audience for this one, the most important audience member you're ever going to interact with in your life. And just remember that. It changes your life dramatically and permanently. And big brother in the form of little baby is always watching. The natural. I can't... uh, let's, just call, let's just call this one from The Natural. You've often stated since your pro football talk, not NFL talk, you would likely cover a potential competing league. What would you do with your name if that league was called the PFL, the pro football league? Well, I mean, it's still, they, I mean, they can't, they can't shut me down. We've already got the name copyrighted. I mean, I, I'm going to, I say that as a joke, because if I would have called this NFL dot, or put NFL in the title, they, they would have shut me down years ago. They can't do anything about pro football. They don't own that copyright. And and I, I mean, we can cover whatever we want. If people read it, we'll cover it. Now, I'm not going to cover an alternative professional league just for shits and giggles. It has to be something that I think people are interested in. If they are, then we'll cover it. But let me tell you, they need to be worried. They need to be more worried than ever about somebody setting up a competing professional football league in season that embraces football the way it used to be. And there will be people in the media who say, oh my God, how how, how does anyone have the, the nerve to take these risks? Look, the, the players are taking the risks. And any of these people who say that, as I've said time and again, they've never watched the UFC match. Valleyman12, who would you be more likely to invite to your house, Tom Curran or Paul Allen? I, I, I mean, I'd invite them both. I mean, if I had to choose between one or the other, I know Paul Allen a little bit better, but I know Tom well too. I think Paul Allen would be less likely to drink all my booze than, than Curran. So probably Paul Allen. Although I would want Paul Allen to get the hell out sooner than Tom Curran. I get along better with Tom Curran. I know Paul Allen. But Paul Allen just drives me crazy. Gears of Ted. Why is everyone involved with the league so petty? Aaron Rodgers, Bill Belichick, Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones, etc. I don't know that it's petty. It's just ego. Ego makes people do and say stupid things. Andrew, yay. Should the lawyers for the players in the NFL concussion settlement have foreseen that the NFL would drag its feet when settling claims? Should they have insisted that the claims be handled by an independent body? The claims are handled by an independent body, but the NFL has a right to object to each claim. And that's what's slowing it down. Apparently, Tuesday night's Real Sports with Brian Gumbel has a deep dive. Look at this how it's affecting players who apparently do have real issues. See, that this is the thing. It's, it's fine to combat fraud. It's not fine to combat everything strategically, because when you do that, there are going to be people who say, screw it, it's not worth it. And don't we deal with that all the time? Like when Delta busted my luggage, they've done it twice now. The first time around, you know, they started asking all these questions and throwing out all this red tape. It's like, it's not worth it. It's not worth my time. I'll just buy another suitcase and fly another airline. Well, when they busted it this time, I said, you know what? As a matter of principle, I'm going to push this forward. So I filled out their stupid form. I wasted 15 minutes. And then they respond, well, due to the high volume of, of uh, claims, we, we, we'll get back to you within 45 days. They, 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 they're going to keep coming up with ways to make it such a pain in the ass that you just say, screw it. And that mentality comes up so often. Isn't it a sad statement of the way that our our system works, that there are so many companies that will profit from making it such a pain in the ass to get what you deserve, that you just say, screw it. You know, the whole thing with the free trial period. Oh, you get a free trial period. First 30 days free. And they bank on you forgetting to shut it down. And then forgetting 30 days later to shut it down. They're just making free money. People think it's a great deal. No, it's not a great deal. You get screwed. I remember when I was a kid. The first too-good-to-be-true deal that I ever saw. The ads were everywhere. And the old people out there know what I'm talking about. Everywhere you turned. Columbia House Records. You got 12 albums for a penny. I remember the first time. It's like... This is great. Can I... Is there a store I can go to and get 12 albums for a penny? Oh, no. See, you have to respond to this ad and you get your 12 albums for a penny with shipping and handling, of course. And then, see, what they'll do is they'll send you an album every month that you pay retail value for. What if I don't want it? Well, you have to tell us... See, we're going to send you something in the mail that is telling you what the next one is and... If you don't send back that you don't want it, then we're going to send it to you and we're going to bill you for it. I think that's how it worked. It was one hell of a scam. But but it's our how much of our economy is premised on people forgetting because they're too busy with other shit? How about a world where we just buy the stuff we want and we don't buy the stuff we don't want? Anyway... What, what was this all from? Oh, it's from the, this this concussion case. It, the, the, the theory is you make it enough of a pain in the ass and you're going to scare people away who otherwise may have legitimate claims, but they just don't want to mess with it. Life's too short to worry about all this red tape. Steph Boyardee, I think you should pose a PFTPM posse question or trivia question at the very end of each podcast to see which of us stay around long enough and we could tweet our answers in. Just a suggestion, Mark Sanchez. Yes, Mark Sanchez was the word at the end of the podcast yesterday that was a little test I did to see who was listening now again I don't know that I can continue to do that because people will just go to the end oh why should I care if you download it right it counts anyway does it matter if you listen to the whole thing I hope you do maybe we'll come up with like a trivia question that we put at the end but that requires work that yeah I don't know I'm kind of lazy even though I sit here and do this for an hour every day, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like I'm bullshitting to somebody who isn't here. You know, am I going to be, oh God, this is pathetic, right? I'm going to be 53 soon. Not that's not pathetic. I'm fine with that. Am I going to be the old man who sits in a corner talking to no one, but actually like doing the podcast? Is that what I'm headed for? Am I going to be the guy in the nursing home? We're like, oh, you know, he used to, he used to do the sports. And he thinks he still is. Wow. Maybe I should retire now. Uh, God, I got, this has been a very depressing. Well, it all started with this stupid ass helmet rule. O oh, two three five nine Raider. Why do you think Jim Plunkett and Tom Flores are not in the Hall of Fame? They've each won two Super Bowls. What other head coach or quarterback has won two and not been voted in? Thanks and keep bringing it. Look, I, I mention all the time Jim Plunkett, two Super. I mean, I think two Super Bowl wins should get you in because you know the value of winning a championship. I don't know why Tom Flores isn't in. I don't know why he's never gotten the uh, the attention. And and look, I'm not part of the Hall of Fame process, and I don't want to be. And people say, oh, you just say that because they're never going to ask you. So you know, I I don't want something they're never going to. I you know, th- there are there are some who say that that I, I'm entitled to it. I should I should. I should ask for it. I should want it. I'm not asking for it because I don't want it. I got two people on the staff who are on it, Shereen Williams and Darren Gant, and that's fine with me. Better them than me. I got Gary Myers all pissed off at me because I said, look, I bust my ass all Super Bowl week. I do shows. I record interviews. I am wiped out by the end of the week. I don't want to spend all day Saturday before the Super Bowl in a room full of people who love to hear the sound of their own voice. Well, I work hard that week too. Well, fine then you're the idiot for working all day Saturday after you've worked all week. And, and what does it really do for anybody? What does it do? When you look at the dynamics that have affected the media world in the last 20 years, being on the Hall of Fame Selection Committee has not kept a single person employed. All right. What am I looking at here? I'm looking at Tom Flores. Man, it's been a long time. Been a lot of coaches since Tom Flores. He was 91 and 56 in eight years as the head coach of the Raiders. John Madden got in 112 and 39 in nine years. And I don't think Madden gets in if he doesn't become Madden, if he doesn't become one of the best broadcasters in TV history, if he doesn't become the face and the voice and the name of the ultimate video game brand. If Flores had done all those things, if we'd been playing Flores, 93, and if Flores had been the guy with Pat Summerall, I think Flores is in the Hall of Fame. I think it's that simple. With Plunkett, I, I think the two rings should get him in, but but what the hell do I know? At Lugie Bryan, have you ever said, got him to Chris Sims? I never have given Chris a hard time that his dad says, Eam instead of him. I need to do that. I've been so open about that over the years, and and I I feel like I know Phil now, even though I really don't know Phil. I've heard so much about Phil from Chris, and Phil sounds like a pretty cool guy. Pretty good laissez-faire upbringing. (laughs) He did all right with Chris, although Chris is kooky. Chris is kooky in a good way. Chris is so different from what I expected him to be, because I expect, like, especially quarterbacks, former quarterbacks, I mean not I expect him to be a certain way and Chris isn't that way. He's very self-deprecating. You can make fun of him and he loves it. He laughs about it. It's great. I bust his chops all the time and he is so good-natured about it. And he he is very quick to make friends with people. He's got a very warm nature for a big, tall, imposing guy with his giant hand and he fist bumps and like, you know, he does the fist bump and you fall down. All right. What else is here? K. Stees 17 do you think you'd get Cam Wake on the show to speak about his experiences in the CFL? It'd be cool to hear more about the path to the NFL from another league, especially with more leagues coming. I think we're trying to get Doug Flutie. We've had Cam Wake on the show in the past. And I think I've asked him about his path from the CFL to the NFL because that, that was back at the time when Michael Sam, you know, came in the same way as Cam Wake did. Undrafted. Well, no, Cam Wake was undrafted. Michael Sam was at least picked, but didn't stick, washed out, Cam Wake went to the CFL and became a great player. The uh you know, Michael Sam experience, he went up there and he was out, but uh uh I I, I we've had him on before, maybe we'll get him on again. Oh two three five nine 2359 Raider, are Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald deals going to get ugly holdouts etc. where do you see these two guys going as they seem linked? Yeah, you know, one of the questions that's come up is who goes first. Cuz whoever goes first, the second guy's going to try to get more Mac's got a bigger potential to get ugly, I think. I think. I don't know. With Aaron Donald, I think the problem is, and I think this is, applies to Mac at a lesser extent. Mac was a top five guy though, so he, he he's getting more in his option year than Mac, than, than Donald, excuse me. I think Donald wants to get paid as if he's a free agent. And the Rams look at it and say he's not a free agent. We got him for this year, we got him for the year after, we got him the year after that before we have to pay him quarterback franchise tag money. So why would we give him what he would be getting if he were on the open market, especially when he still has a year left on his rookie contract? I mean, Von Miller got a market value deal, but he finished his rookie contract and he was the Super Bowl MVP. Everything fell together for him perfectly. And I think the Broncos believed that he was serious about sitting out the full season because the next year, the Broncos could not have used the exclusive franchise tender. It would have been franchise tag, non-exclusive, with a first-round pick and a third-round pick as compensation, and the thinking was someone else would have gladly given that up for Von Miller. So Aaron Donald's not even in a position where he can threaten to sit out a whole year. So I, I think that, I look, the Donald deal should have been done by now. Everybody says, oh, these, ge- these deals always get done. They get done. Eh, they get done. And that's true, they tend to get done, but... Sometimes there's a little pain involved before they do. Terry Gensler asks, what do you think about a possible 15-yard penalty for kneeling during the anthem? And I I saw that that this idea was floated. Home team would decide whether teams come out for the national anthem. There would be 15-yard penalties for anyone that kneels. You know, I guess that's not taking away the player's right to kneel. (laughs) I guess... See, they're they're trying to take away the right that they gave the players without taking it away, without getting themselves in a position where the union says, you can't take it away. You've you've given them this right. The right thing to do is sit down with the union and say, how do we solve this in a way where you, the union, on behalf of the players, will give us a commitment that players will stand for the national anthem? But they don't want to do that because they'd have to give the union something to do it. This all traces back to the billionaires being cheap, plain and simple. They don't wanna give the union a concession. So they wanna find another way to outsmart the union and also spin this all in a very positive PR way. I'm amazed that they're doing this without a a PR chief. They have no one there who is an executive VP level communications expert. And, And these are very, very sensitive PR matters that they're trying to wade through. The Real Four Note, does your contract with NBC or other NFL media insiders have a clause that prevents them from gambling on sports or playing fantasy football other than the insider leagues they talk about on TV? Hashtag Mark Sanchez. I, I, I'm not aware of anything that prevents me from gambling. I have no desire to gamble. Now, maybe the way it's written, if you're gambling illegally, you're, you're in trouble. But it doesn't matter to me. I will have to go. I don't need to go back and read my contract and see what I can and can't do when it comes to gambling because I don't. I have no desire to. Now, once it's legal, that's a different situation altogether. And the one thing I am fascinated by is the possibility, as I've said a few times before, of picking one team in each league before the season begins and saying, all right, 101, 201, 301 long shot to win it all. I'll put $10 on this team, this team, this team, this team, one team in each league and and just see if I get lucky. Like people who bet on the Vegas Golden Knights to win it all may be if they end up winning it all. They still may not win it all. Matthew Farley, what's Chris Sims' current Madden rating? I don't, I don't think he has one. Although I have been trying to get my buddy Mike McFadden, who's involved with the Madden Ultimate Team at EA, I, I want them to make a 99 Chris Sims. I bet they won't because, like, they only give out 99 to guys who are actually good enough to justify a 99. I got a great, I got a great uh, Dan Marino 99 this past weekend. And he's got the G. They've got the they've got the chemistry where it's just a letter, and it's like I don't know what that is. What's a G? Gunslinger. He gets rid of the ball so fast. The problem is he can't move. But oh, he gets rid of the ball so fast. And actually, actually, he the, 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 there's a there's a I don't want to give away too much in, in the event that I end up playing any of you, but I, I've got a a strategy that I use. There's a run formation out of shotgun, and it's kind of like a read option approach, but I got, a, I got a 96 Christian McCaffrey that typically does well coming out of this inside zone run, and when I see the defense, sometimes they get frustrated because they can't stop it. They'll put the they'll put a couple of linebackers the, the double a gap blitz like the Vikings use, and so I can I can audible to a play action, and uh, if those guys blitz, I got guys wide open down the middle behind them. And if they drop into coverage, I just run with the quarterback in the gap they've created. And actually, Dan Marino is good for about six or seven yards when you do that. Now, I think after that, he doesn't get up, but he's good for about six or seven yards when you do that. It's a, it's a potent, a 99 Dan Marino with the gunslinger chemistry. I still, you know, I still suck when I play online, but uh, I don't suck as bad as I used to. Matthew Farley, was Jim impersonating Dwight the greatest office moment? I don't know that it was the greatest moment. I think the greatest moment for me And I think we did this last year when the new Madden game came out and I was giving away codes. My favorite line, my favorite moment from the office was when Todd Packer, as it turned out, spoiler alert, had taken a dump on Michael's rug and they had just discovered it and the stink was out in the common area and Creed walked up and said, hey guys, somebody making soup? I still have to say that like to my son from time to time when we bust out laughing. All right, I should probably, talk about going out on a high note. Is that a high note? Matt in Beantown, do you plan on buying Madden 19? Yes. Now that the draft is over, what team are you most intrigued to try out on the next installment? I don't play the teams. I do Ultimate Team. I love Ultimate Team. Love it. Because you, st- the, the only thing I hate about Ultimate Team, because here's what I do. I mean, look, yeah, I'm going to be 53 next month, but so what? Everybody plays video games now. And, you know, I actually playing Madden helps me be aware of some of these fringe players especially an ultimate team, because you start off with a shit team. You start off with guys who are like 59, 62, and you got to work to make your team better. You do the solo challenges. Your team gradually gets better. You play online. You gradually get better. You get coins. You got to resist the temptation to buy stuff. And I resist it in part because I'm very cheap, but I want to, I want to feel like I've earned my team. What pisses me off about ultimate team is when the new version comes out, Everything you've done to build up your last ultimate team is a waste. Like my my ultimate team right now, as of today, I worked out earlier today. And uh, what did I do? I had enough coins and I bought, who did I buy? I bought a new strong safety. Oh gosh, Landon Collins. And it pushed my team to a 95. And you know what? I'll probably top out 96, 97, 98. I think last year I got the team to a 98. And then the new. Game comes out and pff, there it all goes. But it's fun. It's the climb is fun. And playing online is fun. It's such a challenge to play online. And every once in a while, they have a collection of solo challenges where you're playing against the computer, as we used to say. I don't know if the kids still say that. Those are challenging, but there's nothing like playing online. And and it's it's when you get into a great game online, like an overtime game, and there's turnovers and great plays and great strategy. it, it is a It is a lot of fun. I went several years just, just like I, I bought Madden every year because I just felt like I had to, but I never played it and I didn't like it. And it was a couple years ago and I tripped over that Ultimate Team and it's like, man, this is great. And it's the perfect thing because I'll get on the bike for 45 minutes to an hour and it's the only way I can ride without constantly looking at the clock to see how much time I have left. I mean, I can watch, you know, the, my favorite movie or some new movie I've never seen before. And it's compelling to me. And I still keep looking every five seconds. When is this going to be done? When is this going to be done? Madden. And also the NHL games, the older ones. I got an old Xbox 360 in the gym. And every once in a while, but not very often, I'll pop in like NHL 08 or NHL 09 and, and play some games with the Penguins. That's, that's fun from time to time. But now it cuts into my Madden time. Because I I gotta I gotta play my Madden games because I gotta get my ultimate team you know as good as it can be before the new version comes out. We still haven't seen who the cover player is this year for uh, for Madden. We knew it was Tom Brady last year at this time. I don't know what they're waiting for. I wonder who it's gonna be. I bet it's Saquon Barkley. I just got a feeling it's gonna be Saquon Barkley. I have nothing to base that on. All right, we probably should go. It's been an hour. Thank you for the, uh, the attention. Thank you for the, uh, the loyalty. And thank you for, let's see. Let's find a very obscure name here. Uh, oh, boy. I'm looking at 2016 individual statistics pass receiving in the NFL record and fact book. I'm just going to drop my finger down on a random name. And it is Andy Janovich. He had four, five catches for 44 yards in 2016. Andy Janovich, if you listen to the whole thing, drop a tweet with Andy Janovich and uh, we will do this tomorrow with Troy Vincent with some 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 candid, direct, but fair questions about this new helmet rule. We'll check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. I think we have Peter King joining us on PFT Live tomorrow and uh, we'll do this again tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day.
0: You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will subscribe for automatic downloads, leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update. From Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone.